Welcome to the Life Community Church Podcast. We are so excited and thankful you've decided to join us. We have a very special message for you today that we pray blesses you. Wow. Bible recap. Man, now I know why it's called the book of Job. Because it's hard work. Listen to all those friends of friends of Job complain. Like, oh, it's like you just have to just have to persevere. Have to hang in there. Thank you, thank you for persevering in here today. Thank you. You may, you know, it's cold outside. You know, and the threat of bad weather is coming. Thank you for coming today. I mean, you could be like, there's some today that are not here. They're sitting on their couch in their pajamas, cuddled up in a blanket. And to those of you, we say, we love you. (laughs) Don't we love them? Tell them we love them. Let's tell them we love them. We love you. And we hope to see you next week. Okay. So we're, this is the last week in this series, Pray Like This. We're starting a new series next week called Dream to Destiny, and we're, it's, it's got a book and a workbook with it. It's based on a book by Robert Morris. And so we have those books available. We were able to buy them at a discounted bulk price. We have books and workbooks. And if you just go into the app, there's a QR code at the Welcome Center along with the books and stuff, right? So QR code, you can scan that, pick those book up, books up that way, and you can get started. And uh, you'll know the sermon before I preach it, <laughs> like I could preach somebody else's stuff. But anyway, it won't be the same, I promise you. So pray like this. Today we're going we're gonna to continue the Lord's Prayer. So we're going to say the Lord's Prayer, so stand up again, because, you know, more, you need the exercise. You still got those Christmas cookies working on you, Uh, right? So this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation and deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So, so this is, this is kind of strange. Don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So does God lead us into temptation? Is God, is God the responsible agent when we are tempted? James chapter one, verse 13, James, the brother of Jesus says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil. There's no evil in God. He can't be tempted by evil. And he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. The Greek word for temptation is parasmos. And it means temptation but it also means test or trial. It's the same word that James uses in James chapter 1, verse 2, where he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind. So 
the word for test for temptation and the word for test or trial is the same word. So you would think of what's the definition of temptation or trial? A temptation is anything that comes in your life that may cause you to disbelieve or disobey God. Or it can be anything that comes into your life that provides you the opportunity to walk in obedience, belief, and faith. It can either be something that causes you to sin or it can be something that causes you to grow. What comes from Satan, we know, is meant to destroy us. That's his desire. He wants to move us away from faith in God. 1 Peter chapter 5 uh, Peter says this. Now, this is interesting because Peter's got an interesting perspective. Jesus told him that he was going to betray the Lord on the night that he was led away. Jesus said, you're all going to betray me. And And Peter said, I never will. And Jesus said to Peter, Peter, Satan has asked permission to sift you like wheat. And I have given it to him, which is, if I would, Peter, I would have said, wait, 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 I didn't hear that right. Can we go over that again? (laughs) Satan has asked permission, and you gave him permission? So he's got a perspective here when he's talking about the schemes of the devil and understanding. He says, 1 Peter 5, verse 8 and 9, be alert and be so of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in your faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. What comes from the devil is to destroy us. What comes from God is to test us and mature us. James 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you will be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So so there's, there's a temptation that comes to destroy us. There's a trial that comes to mature us. And the temptation, here's the tricky part, the temptation... And the test can be wrapped in the same event. You get that? The temptation and the test are wrapped in the same event. For example, let's say you're in a, a social setting and, and there's pe- some people talking and they start gossiping. And they start slandering a person that you know, a person that you're acquainted with. So you have a couple of options. You can... Uh, you can join in the group and join in the gossiping because isn't gossip fun? You know, and, and you can join in the, you're just going to have a good old time rejoicing that it's not you that they're talking about. See, Satan's desire is that you would jump headlong into that conversation, join in the slander, and not only damage the person in the eyes of the other people, but also at the same time, damage yourself as well. He wants you to fall into that sin of gossip. Or in that same situation, you can see what's going on and acknowledge that what's going on is not good. 
So you have a couple of options. So, okay, I, I see what's going on. They're, they're starting to gossip and slander. What are some of my options? Well, one option is you can walk away. Sometimes it's good to just walk away. You don't have to make a comment. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to, you just say, this is not a good place for me to be right now. I'm just walk away. Or if you be a little more courageous, you could speak up for the person that's being slandered. So while everybody is saying bad things, you could say, wait, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I, I love Bob. Even though, you know, he stayed home and didn't go to church today, I still love him. <laughs> Even though he's just a little bit lazy, I still love Bob. I mean, you can, so you, you can defend, so you can defend the person that's being slandered, right? Or if you have a little more courage, uh, Especially if it's believers, I wouldn't do this to unbelievers because you're not supposed, we don't judge unbelievers, but they're judging you, but you're not supposed to judge them. You can speak against the slandering. You could say to them, hey guys, this isn't right. This is not what believers do. Now that takes courage, doesn't it? You ever correct somebody? It's hard to do, whether it's, whether it's your own family. It's hard to correct people and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's, that's not right. And so... You can stand in courage. If you do that, if you have courage and you say something, it will probably create some backlash. You may be shunned even by, unbelie- by believers, uh, but you're going to grow in some character. You're actually going to grow in respect with the people that you stood up and had courage and faith with. So in one example, it's the same thing. You can, you can fall into sin and join in with them, run along with them in the sin, or you can resist it, and you can, you can actively resist it. You can you know, talk to them and maybe bring one of them aside and say, listen, we shouldn't be doing this. There's unbelievers around here. We need to be careful about what we say. You could actively resist, but either you have a choice whether it's going to be a temptation or a test. Think of another, another example, what if, what if bad things happen to you? Now, do bad things happen to good people? See, one of the things we learned as we've studied, as we're reading the book of Job, is that the belief of the day was that, that Job's friends kept saying to him over and 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 over. Keep saying to him is that the reason you're in this position is because God is judging you for your sin. You just need to repent of the sin and these problems will go away because God blesses people who are good and he punishes people who are bad. Now, we're going to learn that God says that's not right. Now, God, bad things also happen to good people. So, you may have a tragedy in your life, uh, all kinds of things that can happen, bankruptcy, a bad car wreck, uh, something, some event in your life. You could be struck with some kind of life-changing disease that you're having to deal with cancer or some debilitating disease that's daily you have to struggle with. Uh, Your spouse could leave you. Uh, Your spouse could die. Uh, You could experience great loss, uh, the loss of children. So when those things happen, they are both a temptation and a test. The test is, will you continue in the midst of that 
disappointment and loss and struggle and hurt and pain, will you continue to believe that God loves you? Will you continue to believe that he is for you and on your side and that he is working and he has a plan and he is working for his glory and your good? Will you join with Job and agree with Job that says, though God slay me, yet will I trust him? Will you, will you continue to trust God? Or will you allow the trial to become a temptation for you to question God's love and purpose, for you to begin to doubt God and his, what he's doing, to cause you to become angry and bitter? Will, will you complain and grumble about how God's unfaithful and unfair and that you deserve better. So you see, in one situation, your faith and obedience are transformative. They help you to grow and mature. But on the other hand, if you fall into sin, you choose sin, you're damaged. It hurts you. You're devoured. Uh, Peter says, watch out. There's a roaring lion, and he's, his intent is to hurt you. And so you need to be aware. His, his desire is to hurt you. So you're going to be devoured by the enemy. God doesn't tempt us to sin. He's not trying to lead us to evil activity. But he does test us. But he always tests us for our good. This is the testimony of Scripture. 1 Peter 1, verse 6 and 7. In all of this you greatly rejoice, all these things that are happening... Though now for a little while you may be, have, have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. All kinds of trials. They've come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So if tests can have a good result, if tests can have a good result, if... Why do we need to pray, lead us not into temptation? I mean, if a test is going to be positive for us, why would we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one? So I've got my own translation. This is Randy's gist translation. You know, what's, what's the gist of what it's saying? Help us, Lord, to see the lies and deception of the enemy and his evil intent. Help us to see the wages and results of sin and the death that is lurking in it. So how do we turn a temptation into a test? 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, In order that Satan will not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. See, the Bible tells us, and it uses the word schemes. You think about this. Satan shows us the bait, but he hides the hook. He shows us the short-term pleasure all the immediate benefits, but hides the long-term consequences. It is, the bait is, the hook is wrapped in a lie. You need this to make you happy. We hear that. You deserve this. I mean, you even deserve a McDonald's hamburger. You deserve a break today. You deserve it because of what you've been through. God's not come through for you. God hasn't been fair to you. Life hasn't been fair to you. What you're suffering, nobody else has ever suffered. We feel that. We begin to feel that we're separate and we're alone and we're different. And nobody struggled with the same kind of struggle that we have. Though everything is common to man. So Jesus then gives us some 
insight. How do we deal with this? How do we turn a temptation into a trial? First of all, Jesus said we need to be on our guard. We need to be aware. So when they're in the garden, the toughest days of Jesus' life where he's praying to the Father, is there a way that this cup can pass for me? He's brought James and Peter and John with him to pray. And he says to them, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So he brings him along. He says, guys, would you pray with me? I'm going to go ahead and pray. I'm going to a little further ahead and pray. Would you stay here and pray with me? Because this is a tough time for me. He says, but he's saying, but I know you're going to struggle. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. First Corinthians 10, 12 says, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. So the words of Jesus would be watch and pray to, to be careful, be on your guard, be on the lookout. You've got enemies without. We have a devil. We have a real devil who wants to destroy you, who wants to devour you. We have a world system that we live in and a world system that is filled with deceptive lies. And we're so bombarded with it, it's often difficult to tell the difference between the lie and the truth because we are constantly bombarded. We have enemies within our own desires, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, John says. Believing that our problems can be solved with pleasure, lust of the flesh, that food or sex or alcohol are going to solve our problems, or that the lust of the eyes, that some purchase is going to solve our, that if we could just get the newest it would solve our, you know, and there's, there's just an unending list of new. We're, we're just, we just love the new. Don't we? I mean, there's something, there's something hardwired in us to where you can be driving a really, when you bought it, it was really nice. And then a new model comes out and you start looking at yours like, oh, I wish I had that one. We're just, the, the new has great appeal. Do you think, I, you know, my truck's now 12 years old. I'm thinking, I'm just trying to keep it long enough till it becomes a classic. <laughs> then you've made the shift from not just old, now it's, it's, it's a classic, like me. <laughs> so that, that deception that, that some purchase is going to make us happy. And it, there, there is that momentary pleasure, but it's, it's just fleeting. Uh, or, or, or power, the ability to control or manipulate people. He says, be on your guard because the battle is continuous and unending. It's just always there. We wake up in a battle. And so because we're not aware of that, the enemy's able to trick us because we are not aware that every moment of every day he's trying to catch us. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so you can endure it. Now, this verse is widely misquoted. And this verse is used to refer to the actual trials and circumstances of life that God will not put on you more than you can bear but he will. He will. It's, this is not talking about trials. 
This is talking about temptation. He's saying, because in every temptation, what are we learning? In every temptation, there's a choice. Every trial is a choice. Am I going to trust God and turn it into a test, or am I going to fall in disbelief and dishonoring God and going my own way, and am I going to let this become a temptation? It's common. We all go through the same stuff. You're no different. You're not unique. The stuff that you've been, you may have suffered something horribly tragic, but there are literally millions of people who have suffered the same thing. You're not alone. The enemy wants you to think you're unique and different. Nobody understands you. Nobody understands what you've been through. And it's true, nobody can be in exactly your situation, but all of us have experienced the pain of loss and failure and disappointment. So he says, be on your guard. Because if you recognize it as a temptation and you resist it and endure it, it turns it from a temptation to a test. And you have a way of escape. You have a choice. You can say no. You can back away. You can choose not to gossip. You can choose not to participate. You can choose not to sin. You need to be on your guard because the battle is continuous and unending. John Piper says, in fact, every step we take is a step into the presence of temptation. There's no moment in your life that is not a moment of temptation, a moment when unbelief and disobedience is not a possibility. And I would say there's also in the same time not a moment that it's not an opportunity to walk in obedience and dependence upon God. Galatians 5.13. And you, my brothers and sisters, you're called to be free. Don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. You have to, you have to be on your guard and be aware of your weaknesses. Don't set yourself up to fail. The Speaker of the House, Johnson, who's the I believe the current Speaker of the House, uh, right after he was chosen as the new Speaker of the House, uh, I noticed that the media had really gone after him in a couple of different levels. And one of the things where they attacked him is that it was uncovered that he and his son uh, are accountable to each other and have accountability software having to do with pornography on their phones. And the media was belittling him for that accountability. Because, you know, according to the world system, pornography is going to solve your problems. But it doesn't. It creates them. And so he, he has had accountability. Why, why do you have accountability? Why do you introduce accountability into your life? You introduce accountability because you recognize that you're weak. And you have the ability and the propensity to fail. And so you bring measures, what you would call guardrails. To keep you in, in the lane. Not the, it's not the law. It's not, we're not talking about salvation, keeping this, you know, whether you're going to keep your salvation or not, but we're talking about walking against temptation. We need to aware, be aware of Satan's schemes. His core strategy is to move us deeper and deeper into sin, and he never starts big. It always starts small, inch by inch, a little at a time. That's how he gets us. 2 Corinthians 2.11, in order that Satan may not outwit us, for are we not unaware of his schemes? Have you ever had a time when 
when you're enjoying a meal, you're enjoying some food, and as you're eating the food, you discover there's something in the food that shouldn't be in the food? Like a hair? I mean, when you think about it, a hair is pretty benign, actually. But, you know, it really grosses us out. A hair in your food is pretty benign to have a hair in your food. But when, if you find a hair in your food, you know, it, for some reason, it really grosses us out. Or, you know, what if, you know, what if you're really enjoying, you know, a bowl of soup, and you get down to the bottom and you pick up a spoonful, and there's a roach in that spoonful. <laughs> I can make this worse, you know. Now, what's going what's to happen to your appetite for that food? It's gone. Are you going to just take the bug out and then finish the soup? No, because in your mind, it's, it is. It's defiled, and you could never look at that plate of food, this food the same way again. In the same way, we need to ask the Spirit of God to help us see the bug in the soup, to see the death that is in the sin, to see the consequences that is in the sin. Jesus was tempted, and Jesus had the capacity to sin he, because he was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. But unlike Adam and Eve, Jesus couldn't sin. He couldn't be deceived. Adam and Eve were easily and quickly deceived by the serpent. The serpent said, hey, how about this? They're like, okay. But Jesus, when he was tempted, could not be deceived because he could always see the death and the deception and that's how we war against sin. We need to strip away the lies of the enemy. So how do we do that? Well, we do it the way Jesus did. How did Jesus do it? Well, when he was tempted in Matthew 4, he was led. Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, you're the Son of God. If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it's written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And you would say, what's wrong with turning stones into bread? What's the big deal about stones to bread? Well, that's not how you get bread. How do you get bread? Well, you, it's a process. I mean, you, you got to plant wheat or oats or barley or some kind of grain, and you have to wait for that grain to grow, and there's a season, there's a growing season, there's time that rain's going to come, and then you're going to wonder if it's ever going to come to harvest, and whether there's going to be any grain or not. And then there is some grain, you got to harvest that grain, you have to thresh that grain and separate the, the, the grain from the straw so that you have something that's actually usable as grain, and then you've got to grind that grain, prepare that grain to make bread out of it, and then you have to go through the process of mixing it with some other things, create a dough with some yeast, let it rise. You got to put it in the oven. It's a it's a it's a process. The devil says, "Just turn the stone into bread." See, the devil is always selling shortcuts. Just do it the easy way. Do it the quick way. Do it the way everybody else is doing it. You know, don't just turn the stone into bread. Jesus said, "No, no." You shall not live by bread alone, by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up on the holy city, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it's written, he will command the angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot up against a stone. He's basically saying, get up on, he's on the pinnacle of the temple. He says, just throw off and say, if you love me, God, you'll catch me. And he says, don't do that. Don't tempt the Lord. Jesus said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. We don't test the Lord by doing stupid things and hoping that we'll be okay. 
you know. Lord, the Lord will protect me. Well, he might not because you've stepped off into stupid. You know, the, you know how many, there, there have been godly people that have been killed because they overloaded an airplane. They, they violated the laws of aerodynamics and could have God protected them? No, nope, but they put God to the test. We don't, we don't put God to the test. We don't drive crazy. We don't drive drunk. We don't drive crazy speeds. We don't do s- stupid things. If you take a risk, you want to always be... A, a, life is not without risk. You can't live a riskless life. That's boring. But we want to take guarded, measured risk when we do. We want to think about it. And we want to count the cost of it. Again, the devil took him to the high mountain and showed him the kings of the world, their splendor, and all this I'll give you if you'll bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, nope, not going to do that. Away from me, Satan, for it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then, then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. Jesus used the word of God to defeat the lies of Satan. And we have to know the word of God good enough to stand against the lies of Satan and we have to be able to know when he's using the word inappropriately. When he's telling a half truth, when he said, but the Bible says he'll bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Hasn't God said, he said to Eve in the garden, didn't God say he's going to take half truths and try to deceive you? And this is why you need the Bible recap. This is why we need to read the Bible. This is why we need to know the Bible. It's great for you to be here, and I love that you're here. But this meal is not enough for the week. You need to be eating every day. I don't, how many of you are pretty much sold on that? You're eating every day? Um, it's a good plan. You need to spiritually be eating every day. You need to spiritually be in the word. You need, to, you need to know the word well enough that you can stand against the lies of the enemy. And you can spout and see. Not, is that right? You can, you can see when the enemy is trying to deceive you. And he's going to try to deceive you all the time. So how do we do this? i got to close with this, but I'm not done yet. Hang in there. We have till three. Cowboys play later today. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord. How are we strong in the Lord? Put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. Have you noticed the theme of the schemes of the devil that he's just continued these tricks? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore... Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. What is the belt of truth? It is you have wrapped yourself. You've wrapped your life in the truth of who Jesus is. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I have wrapped my life in Jesus. I am in him. I'm in Christ. That's my hope of glory. He's the way. He is the breastplate of righteousness with the breastplate of righteousness in peace. 
as we celebrated with communion. It's the complete work of Christ on the cross that has made me righteous because the devil's going to come and accuse me that I'm not righteous because even though I've been made righteous, I am positionally righteous before God. I still sin. I'm the only one. Just me. We all sin. I'm not okay with it, though. I'm at war with it. I'm at war with sin, but I recognize. So the enemy is going to accuse me. So how am I going to stand against the accuser? He's going to say, you're a sinner. Yes, I am. But my sins have been covered totally and completely by the blood of Jesus Christ. And now in him, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I have to have the breastplate of righteousness in place with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We need to be committed to sharing the gospel with our world, the people around us, the people we love, our world around us, and tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, some of you work in an environment where you're surrounded by sinners. That's okay. You'll never have more accountability than by telling a bunch of sinners that you're a Christian. Because they will start watching you. They're wanting to see if you're the real thing. They're going to try to catch you in every mistake. They're going to say, ha, you said, damn, I heard you. You said you're a Christian. You lost your temper. And they're going to see, how, how are you going to respond to that? How are you going to respond? Being caught. Here I am. I'm caught. I'm not per- Guess what? I'm not perfect. But I'm not going to make an excuse for it. I shouldn't, talk, I shouldn't have talked like that. I shouldn't have lost my temper like that. That was wrong. I'm sorry I did that. But you know what? I want to tell you something about the goodness of God. The reason I'm here is not by my works, but by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. By grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself. And so you, it will bring not only a level of accountability, but it will give you an opportunity to witness them. And there will be a day if you live before them and show them what it means to be a follower of Christ, some of them will bring you aside and say, what's the deal about Jesus? You will create an opportunity by living a genuine Christian life. And a genuine Christian life is one where they see that you mess up too and how you deal with it. Whether you try to hide it and be a hypocrite or whether you're truthful and you let them see how God gives grace. Amen? In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So I, I need, what's, this, what's the shield of faith? It's what do I believe about God? I believe that God loves me. I trust God. I trust God. I believe that God is working for my good. I believe that he's on my side. I, I believe he causes all things to work together for good. You see, Satan's all, he says, I need the shield of faith to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Satan's always trying to make something stick. He's always trying to bring an accusation. And so you stand in faith. This is who I am because of what God has done. Then you take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. What is that? That's what you believe about God. What you believe about Jesus. And what you believe about yourself. 
you believe that Jesus died to save you? Do you believe that salvation is complete because of what Christ did on the cross? Because who are you? Do you know who you are? Are you a child of God? Now we are the sons of God. It doesn't appear what we will be, but we know when he appears we'll be like him. Do you know that you're gonna, you have a destiny that's incredible in Jesus? Do you believe and understand who Jesus is and what he accomplished for you? What you believe is important because we battle the enemy in our minds. And we need the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In all of these weapons, the sword is the only offensive weapon. We need the Word of God. The Word of God is our weapon to stand against temptation. And through the Word of God, we're able to interpret a situation and we can turn it from a temptation to a test. We can turn it from a place of defeat to a place of victory. We can take it from a place of being devoured to, to a place of growing. Where now we're going to come from the, uh, through the other side of it. And now we've suffered through something. And now we've got a testimony. Now we've got a witness. Now we can help somebody else that's going through the same thing. We can, God can use us for his good for his glory and our good. That's how we turn a temptation into a test. And God uses it to accomplish good things in our life. God wants us to grow up and mature. He does. He's for us. He loves us. Amen. All right, I got to stop because it's time. Stand. So what's our prayer today? Our prayer is, Lord, help us to see the lies of the enemy that deceive us. Help us to grow, Lord. We know that we know that the test, we know that the trials, we know the temptation is going to come, and the enemy is going to try to destroy us. He's going to try to devour us. But we want to stand steadfast. We want to stand firm and secure. And having done all to stand, to stand firm and stand against that deception and at the same time that it be a positive thing, a, a, a time where we are refined like pure gold, where we learn to persevere, where we learn to endure, where we learn to love difficult, difficult people to love, where we learn to give people grace like we've received grace, where we learn to forgive like we've been forgiven. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord, help us to see the lie and turn a temptation into a triumph because we've trusted you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you. Have a great week. Stay warm. Be safe. This has been the Life Community Church Podcast. Thank you for listening.